And we welcome you to this edition of Your Health New Hampshire right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And join us as we celebrate Diabetes Awareness Month, which was actually in November, uh, by continuing the conversation with Samantha Carpenteri, registered nurse and certified diabetes educator about living a fulfilling and successful life with uh, diabetes. And uh, Samantha, we welcome you to the show. Thank you. And also joining us in studio, Carly Hughes, program coordinator at AHEC, and uh, Jody Harper, who is the assistant director of uh, AHEC. And Jody, I know you have uh, some personal stories to share here today. Yeah, yeah. This this episode today, for me, on a personal and professional note, has been one I've been really proud to plan. Well, Samantha, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and what you do? Sure. So I'm a diabetes educator. I work at Lamprey Healthcare. Um, I've been there for four years or so. Um, became certified just last year. I went through an internship with uh, Tracy Tinker, who is also a diabetes educator. Um, it was pretty much a two-month uh, mentorship to get my certification hours. Um, in addition, I am in nurse practitioner school, and I work in the emergency room at Exeter Hospital as a registered nurse as well. And for those who aren't familiar, uh, Lamprey Healthcare is a federally qualified health center that operates sites in the the primary clinics are in Raymond, Newmarket, and Nashua. And then there's a mobile van, mobile health unit that goes out all over the community to offer primary health care. And there's some integrated clinics in Nashua and in Derry where Lamprey puts primary care docs on site at the community mental health centers. So um, it's a really great place to get your health care. The, the mission, actually, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but basically the, the goal of FQHCs, as we call them, the Federally Qualified Health Center, is to serve anybody who walks through the doors, regardless of their ability to pay. So often kind of considered a safety net health clinic. So the the work that Sam does is pretty cool, but to be able to do it in this space where a lot of people don't otherwise have access to good diabetes care is makes it even more special and unique what she gets to do. Well, that, that is terrific. Now, when you talk about diabetes education, are you educating people who uh, have diabetes as well as those who don't? Uh, tell us exactly about what you do. Sure. So I typically teach people who do have diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have had it for years or they could be a new onset of diabetes. Um, Sometimes I do see people who have prediabetes, but not very often. So my goal is to meet patients where they're at and look at a patient as a whole person and kind of educate them based on what they like and what they know and then go from there. Mm And uh, Jody, I know you have some personal experience along these lines. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually diagnosed with type 2 diabetes a year ago in May. So it was May 2022. And um, while I have family history of diabetes, I knew like I had to kind of pay attention. I was on the cusp. But to, to kind of go over that official diagnosis line was it was scary. It was overwhelming. Um, and, and when we think about diabetes, especially around type 2 in our society, there's a lot of shame and blame and guilt that's associated with that diagnosis. So um, it wasn't just this this new medical world I had to live in, but kind of dealing with the mental health side of it as well, which was really, it, it took me a while to, to be able to find the right care and support team. But 
um, being able to sit in Sam's chair and have <laughs> do some work with her really helped me feel comfortable and helped me feel like diabetes isn't a death sentence. So I, I feel good having had experience working with Sam. So what is type two? Is that is that bad? I mean, is that the worst kind you can have? Or uh, I, because I, I'm I don't know. I think I I've been told that I have pre yeah diabetes and am on a little bit of medication for that. Uh, but can you explain the, the different uh, classifications of diabetes? Sure. So there is a few different kinds. Um, type 2 diabetes, which Jody was talking about, um, is when our pancreas doesn't make enough insulin or it doesn't use it the way that it should. So it kind of builds up in our bloodstream and doesn't get used efficiently. Um, so on a normal person, our not a normal person, but a person who doesn't have diabetes, um, our pancreas secretes insulin into the body. And then our, when we eat something, glucose is produced and needs to get into our cells. In order to do that, the insulin kind of opens the gateway to go into the cell efficiently, giving us energy. So people who have type 2 diabetes has resistance in doing such a thing. Uh, does it is it mostly uh, generational? Is it uh, something that uh, you uh, I- inherit? Something uh, you know, if your family members have it, you're more likely to get it. Sure. Yep. There is a predisposition predis- uh, for family history, but not just that. It could happen to anyone, really. Um, but there is an increased risk for the family history, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When my dad was diagnosed with diabetes, he has type two as well. That's one of the things that the doctors said is like, you know, your kids need to make sure that they're paying attention mm-hmm. to to their sugar levels and how they how their body is processing sugars because there is a higher likelihood of them developing type two diabetes. So it's more likely uh, that if it's in your family, you're, you're going to get it. But uh, even if it's not, yeah. there's there's that uh, possibility. Right, but you can always take precautions and eat healthy diets and exercise regularly to kind of decrease your risk factors. So, Jody, just on a personal note, Jody, what uh, have you changed uh, in in your diet since you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, so I it took me a few visits with a different diabetes educator before I found Sam, and Sam is where I found kind of my happy place. <laughs> And um, but the first diabetes educator I saw really kind of talked about this this three legged stool of sorts to help manage your diabetes where you've got your medications, your meals and your movement. I don't think she talked about it in those M's, but I was like in my brain that just the three M's clicked the meds, the meals and the movement. And I said, okay, I was put on a little bit of metformin when I started. My body didn't really like that very much. And so my medication was changed because a lot of times we can be a bit med adverse in our society. Like so many people, oh, I should be able to just tough it out. My body doesn't want to. But my body literally was saying, like, can't can't process this. So um, had to make peace with having some medication with the meals. um, For me, sometimes people get really restrictive. And like if you go, especially social media or, you know, Dr. Google, um, they say, oh, you have to cut all carbs. You have to count everything. Um, you have to lose a bunch of weight. But for me, that wasn't realistic. I couldn't be kind to myself and focus on the number on the scale. There were other numbers that mattered more. So I said, okay, meals, what can I change? And I added more veggies. Um, every meal now, because without thinking about it, being a, a single woman who lives alone, I could go a handful of meals without eating veggies before. And now religiously, there's a veggie at every meal. And I sit down 
at my kitchen table and have a meal, which really has been helpful. And adding movement, like the, for me, it was the what are the small bite-sized changes that I can sustain over time instead of doing a 180 and making all these massive things that I, I couldn't necessarily promise to keep up with. But I said, you know what, I can throw onions in my breakfast every day. I can eat a salad at lunchtime. I can have some broccoli with, with supper every night. So that for me has been a big game changer. So you, you've made it a point to, to do that, and uh, you have done it religiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A year and a half now I've had yeah. this diagnosis, and I, I still, like, as long as I'm home, especially breakfast. That was one where I never really would eat breakfast, but now I sit down, I have eggs with onions and peppers in them, <laughs> and drink my coffee and start my day in a good way. So how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Is there any difference? Or uh, you know, Yeah, but, for, yeah. for me, I've had some great success with yeah. managing my sugars. When I was diagnosed... Um, and Sam, I think we'll probably talk about this in another part of the episode, but your A1C is kind of the, the primary number that, that you're taught to look at upon diagnosis. And you have to have an A1C of 6.5 and above to be officially diagnosed with diabetes. And there's lots of nuance as far as like if you're you know 8.0 and above, it's considered uncontrolled, controlled, prediabetes. Um, that, that's really more kind of the technical lingo, but I was 7.1 when I was diagnosed. And um, through working with Sam and utilizing resources that were available to me, prioritizing veggies, prioritizing walking, um, at my last check, my A1C was 5.7. So that's actually technically under the diabetes and even under the pre-diabetes level. Wow. So, so by wow. prioritizing my wellness and my well-being in not just physical health, but mental health, yeah. that, that's made a big difference. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> We will uh, talk more about diabetes, and uh, we uh, had Diabetes Month, Awareness Month, uh, in November. But even though this is December, and we're heading toward Christmas and uh, and the holidays, uh, you know we uh, have to be aware of uh, of what we eat as well, uh, especially if you uh, have diabetes, uh, pre-diabetes, type two diabetes, or it's in your family. Uh, you have to be aware. So we'll talk more about it. On the program today, this is Your Health New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education, and we will be right back right here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Your Health, New Hampshire, right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And today we are discussing living with diabetes, how to manage diabetes in a healthy, successful, and fulfilling way, and some of the common misconceptions regarding uh, diabetes, and uh, we will delve into all of that as we continue today with Samantha Carpentieri. She is a registered nurse and a certified diabetes educator. Uh, Jody Harper, assistant director of AHEC, and Carly Hughes, program coordinator at uh, AHEC. And uh, Jody, yeah, uh, you suffer from uh, type two diabetes, but have made some. Uh, changes to uh, your diet. Uh, yeah. You, you're feeling better. 
Uh, your tests are coming in better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My numbers are really coming in yeah. pretty positive lately. And, and you know, suffering is, a, is such an interesting word. You know, it is at first when I was diagnosed, I was like, oh, I do suffer with this. But, you know, now I like to think about it as I live with this disease mm-hmm. and live with this yeah. condition because it's a chronic condition. Like we talk about a lot in our um, chronic condition, well, or our chronic disease self-management programs. I, it doesn't go away. So um, it's all about how to manage it and how to make it work with my life instead of making my life work with this. So um, I would, at, as we ended the last segment, I was celebrating how, how well with Sam's support and with the resources available through my medical team, I've been able to keep my sugars in check pretty well. And my A1C at its lowest has been 5.2. And um, one of the doctors that we work with, Dr. Bonafidi, um, shout out to her because she's our new chief medical officer at Lamprey Healthcare. Um, she said one of the most profound things that I think I want to make sure that we share and talk about today is that diabetes is progressive. And so it's a disease that over time I could make no changes from my veggies and walking and keep doing everything exactly as I'm doing today. And my numbers will change. The sugars will go up. And she really emphasized to celebrate when my numbers were so low and so good, like take the win, but recognize that when it changes in the future, it's not my fault. It's not because I did something wrong or I did something bad. It's the nature of what this disease does. So something that we want to just encourage everybody out there, like, yes, we want to celebrate when our when our sugars are lower and when our numbers are feeling controlled, but also recognize that it's not our fault when it changes because there's a lot of factors that go into managing diabetes. Yeah, no question. Carly? So we, as we're talking about diabetes, I keep on hearing A1C and sugars. Um, what exactly is an A1C and how does that correlate to sugars? So an A1C represents the lifespan of a red blood cell. Um, so the lifespan of a red blood cell is 90 days. So during that 90-day period, um, sugar coats the red blood cell. And after that 90-day period, the red blood cell will die. Um, so the A1C really just takes that red blood cell and gives you a measurement of how thick the, the sugar is on the cell. And that's how we get our number. And, and Samantha, what, uh, what attracted you towards uh, diabetes education? Was there anything uh, specific along the way that, that did that? Well, let's be honest. I did not like diabetes in nursing school. In fact, I hated it and I did not understand it. So I took that as an initiative to teach myself and uh, Lamprey had a program with a mentorship. So I took advantage of it and here I am a few years later. I love it. I'm passionate about it and I feel as if I really do help a lot of people. Well, I have, I have yeah. no doubt uh, that is true. And uh, we have one right here yeah, in the studio. Sure so uh, so that that's a, a success story. <laughs> Uh, right there. So ultimately, what, what, what was it that you didn't like about it when uh, you were studying it? Well, uh, so it was nursing school, so it was yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, and often it was over my head and I didn't understand it. So I took that initiative, did some research, um, talked to some professors at school, um, and here we are. What, what are some of the problems that are caused by uh, diabetes? Some of the health issues that people have? Sure. So uh, if your A1C or your blood sugars are not in good control, you could end up with some kidney problems. You could end up with some eye problems. Retinopathy is the word for that. It's just um, behind your eye, different vessels are being affected, which could cause some blurred vision or double vision. Um, 
So one thing that I'm really passionate about is feet. (laughs) I love feet. Um, So it's important for everyone to be checking their feet daily, uh, the tops, the bottoms, in in between the toes, really moisturizing, making sure there's no wounds. Often people who have diabetes are unable to feel their feet, um, especially if their sugars are out of control. So visualizing them really decreases the chance of wounds, which decreases the chances of amputations in the future. So what, what do you check specifically uh, when, you, when you're checking your feet? So you're looking for any wounds. You're looking in between your toes, looking to see if there's any calluses or any cracks during this season. Our feet are often very dry, so cracking is, is very you know, important to watch for. Yeah. And even just protecting your feet. I think that's one of the, the first and biggest takeaways I got from you. It's like, mm-hmm. I should not be walking barefoot anywhere. Yes. <laughs> I need to protect my feet and make sure that I'm watching and caring for them. Is that because you have diabetes? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with the diabetes, I just I want to be preventative and proactive because I was... 37 when I was diagnosed, which or 38, I don't, I don't know how old I am no. anymore, <laughs> but that's pretty young for a diagnosis. And so I said, okay, I've got that already. The cards are stacked against me a little. How do I make sure what's in my control? I'm working on and factoring and never being barefoot. Perfect. So people who've been diagnosed with uh, diabetes should not walk barefoot, right? Yeah, uh, is, that is correct. Sometimes you, can't, sometimes you can't avoid it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, at any rate, so that's that's uh, that's one uh, one thing that uh, uh, you can uh, be careful with. Uh, the the risk factors. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, you're at more of a risk if, if it runs in your family, obviously. But if if there's no uh, other history of diabetes in your family, you can still get it. Mm-hmm. What what uh, what should you stay away from, or at least? Uh, stay within the the bounds of moderation in terms of uh, foods. Sure. So mostly carbohydrates and sugars. I tend to tell people to use the plate method, um, which one half of your plate would be vegetables, a quarter of it would be carbohydrates, and the other quarter would be protein. Um, So I tell people not to completely get rid of carbohydrates because that breaks down to sugar, and that's our main source of energy. So I think it's important just to continue that. And in fact, it's probably not safe for you to not have carbohydrates. Um, so yeah. a lot of people don't really understand that, but that's one of the things that I really push for. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned early on in my diabetes journey with carbs was never have a naked carb. So um, I tried to refrain from truly restrictive mindsets, but um, pairing my carbs with fats and fibers and proteins to help with the absorption really, because sometimes I'm, I'm a nerd, like, true confessions, I like data. And so um, I would do my, I would do a finger stick to check my point and time sugar levels and see what I was doing. And then two, two hours after eating an apple, say just the apple, mm-hmm. I would check my, my sugar to see what the impact was. And then the next day I did the same thing, but I had the apple with peanut butter and it really made a significant difference really? in how much my sugar went up. Uh-huh. And so that, I think, was something that really being mindful in general, but especially mindful about what how what we're eating and what we're eating it with really helps. So it made a, a significant difference. Huh? That, that Yeah, I don't remember the exact number yeah. because I, I suppose at the end of the day, the numbers really don't matter because <laughs> an apple is, is still it's a fruit. It's not a bad thing, dependent no matter what people say. Um, but it was at least a couple like. 15 or 20 points difference in points is probably the wrong vocabulary. Sam can correct me. Um, my my sugar, for example, it, it might have been 150 with the apple alone, and it was only 120 or 125 when I had the apple with the peanut butter. Ah. So 
Okay. Well, interesting. Very interesting uh, data right there, or data. Uh, What about the the myths and misconceptions surrounding uh, diabetes? Sure. So there's a couple that come to mind. Um, One is people think that you have to be obese to have diabetes. That's not true. Um, There's often people who are normal BMI or weight um, who do have diabetes. And then the other one is... um, Type 1 diabetes is usually diagnosed in childhood, um, but that is becoming more, it's becoming more diagnosed in adults as well. So it's not just children. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the difference between type 1 and type 2? So type 1 is when your pancreas does not make any insulin at all, and we have to either inject it or you have to have a pump therapy to get that uh, insulin from the outside. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are those the only two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2? Um, those are the two main ones. And then, like we just talked about, the LADA, the latent autoimmune diabetes in the adults. And also, there is gestational diabetes, so pregnancy in pregnancy. Um, yeah. What, what about prediabetes? So, prediabetes what? is diagnosed with your A1C is a little bit less, so between 5.7 and 6.4. Okay, that's the category I guess I I fall into. Uh, This is Your Health New Hampshire right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. Uh, Today we're talking about uh, diabetes and diabetes education. We had Diabetes Awareness Month uh, in November, but uh, it's something you should be aware of every month uh, of the year. And uh, we will continue our conversation right here on WKXL right after these words. So stay with us. Welcome back to this edition of Your Health, New Hampshire, here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education, and today we are discussing diabetes and how to live with it, how to manage diabetes in a healthy, successful, and fulfilling way. And some of the common misconceptions, as we talked about moments ago, regarding diabetes. And with us in studio is Samantha Carpentieri, registered nurse and certified diabetes educator. Jody Harper, the assistant director of AHEC. And Carly Hughes, program coordinator of AHEC. And Carly, we'll start this segment off with you. All right. So we're talking about diabetes and one of the common questions is what do you need to do what changes should you make um, to help manage this in your lifestyle so lifestyle modifications can be broken down into diet and exercise really so we talked a little bit about the plate method really half of your plate should be vegetables a quarter of it should be proteins and a quarter of it should be your carbohydrates Um, in addition to that uh, joyful movement or exercise of any kind really helps lower your your blood sugars significantly. Um, So exercise kind of acts like insulin and really gets those blood sugars down. 
But it's important to remember what your limitations are and what you feel as if you can do as a patient. Some patients would like to walk miles and miles a day or go for a run where others just can't do that. And just chair exercises would be their preference. And that's okay to do as well. So the recommendation for movement from the American Diabetes Association is 150 minutes of moderate to intense exercise, which just means getting your heart rate elevated slightly. So however someone can do that is their preference. Is that 150 minutes per day? Per week, sorry. So it breaks down down to about 30 minutes per day for five days. Um, But you can break it down further if you wanted to and do 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon. Whatever your preference is, it has to fit your lifestyle. Yeah, making it work for you, I think, is something that's so important. My dad... um, he actually had the chance to work with like the Michigan version of Sam because my parents don't live in New Hampshire. But he, rather than trying to, I mean, you know, he's a worked at a union guy who worked at a factory his whole career, a hunter, farmer. Like he's not an exercise kind of guy. And his A1C continued to go up and up and up. And he was like in the nines, um, which is where it starts to get scary, where you worry about some of those things like Sam was talking about with kidney disease or heart trouble or, or foot trouble. Um, And he was able to work with a diabetes educator doing some chronic care management. And um, she did the same thing, talked about ways to move your body that work for you. And so he goes for walks. Now he, and rather than doing everything all at once, he goes twice a day. He goes for a walk just down the road, like it's 20 minutes maybe um, when he wakes up. And then he does that after he has dinner every night. And he's been able to bring his A1C down to 6.4. So now I call him Mr. 6.4 to celebrate because for (laughs) him, having been insulin dependent and never having an A1C that low since his diagnosis is such a big deal but really that that making it work for you you know you don't have to get out there and do a couch to 5k program you don't have to go run a marathon but you know anything anything counts and any movement is helpful right yes definitely yeah Yeah. and making it joyful i love that you talked about excuse me joyful movement sam because when we when we make exercise a chore it's not sustainable Really, I, I have a sticker I was going to bring it because I don't think I've showed you before, Sam. But um, I, it says I move my body because I love my body, not because I hate my body. And so making that mindset shift and finding something that works for you, that feels good, that's fun. That's when we can move in and find sustained exercise, um, which is exactly what I did. And now I, I throw a kettlebell around a couple of days a week because who like that was never me before right. I found joyful movement and working on managing my diabetes. Perfect. The joy, the joy of movement, huh? Yeah, there, yeah joyful movement. There, there you go. And uh, as you say, within the with the case uh, of your dad, uh, it, it doesn't have to be extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, twenty minutes in the morning, twenty minutes uh, in the evening. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's uh, very very helpful. Yeah, and he yeah. even asked for a walking pad for Christmas. So like the ah. treadmill, the treadmills that go under your desk. So that way, if it's raining, he can still get out there and walk a little bit because he's not going to walk down the road in the middle of a Michigan snowstorm. Right. <laughs> so. right. Uh, but exercise, I think, becomes a sort of addictive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to recognize that it helps your mental health a lot. Yes. Yeah. No. No doubt about that. As well as the diabetes. So it, it yeah. works. Uh, works in numerous ways. No. No doubt about that. Now you, you, you talked about insulin, and many uh, diabetes patients are dependent uh, on insulin. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are not. What? What? Break it down. Uh, maybe in percentage wise, uh, how many people who suffer with diabetes? The percentage of them would be on insulin if they're type two diabetics. 
So uh, I don't have that data. Yeah. However, I would say that not many. That's kind of our last choice. Yeah. We start with different medications like metformin or yeah. Ozempic or Invacana. Uh, there are several different classes of medications that we would use. And again, we focus on the patient's needs. There's different side effects that we would not prescribe a patient a specific medication for, um, de- dependent on other comorbidities or other disease sets that they may have. So insulin really is the last resort when it comes to diabetes. That's the ideal. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's a, it's a, in, insulin's a hormone, right? So it makes you gain weight, unfortunately. And a lot of people don't want to gain weight. Right. So, and yeah. then there's additional risk factors of low blood sugars, and that's a whole nother mess. Yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds like um, lifestyle med- um, changes is really the best option for people. So, when you're working with patients or a person with, diabe- with diabetes um, and you're thinking about helping them make changes, what do you suggest um, to people when they're making those goals? How do you make a goal that's sustainable? So we work together to make goals, typically. Um, We call them SMART goals, so that they're specific, they're measurable, they're attainable, which means that the person feels as if they can do it. They're realistic, again, because they feel as if they can do it, and it's not too overwhelming for them, and they can do it in a specific time period. And then we typically put a time measure on it so that they can meet that goal and they can check that box. So an example of that would be, Carly, you're going to walk five minutes a day for the next five days and then check back in with me so it's measurable because you can do it and you can track it and then we can check that box off together Um, so we do that with nutrition we do that with exercise and we do it with medication adherence because a lot of people stop their medications without (laughs) medical advice (laughs) that's awesome it sounds a lot like um what we do with our chronic disease self-management classes how we do weekly um Action plans. Ac- weekly action plans with them. So if people are interested in learning more about those programs, they can visit our website, www.snhahec.org, um, and we can get people help with that. Yeah, that's also linked on the show page to be able to check that out. What are the upcoming classes that we have? And um, yeah, we have a variety of classes that help with and a lot of what we talk about are these exact lifestyle things that like lifestyle changes that Sam is discussing. Um, We've got our chronic disease self-management, which actually dives into diabetes a little bit. We've got chronic pain self-management because for folks that live in chronic pain, it's a tough condition to deal with. And how do you utilize some of the supports and resources available out there and walk with ease, which is a new program that we've added to our evidence-based program program list this year, um, which I actually have participated in that class as a member um, with the folks from UNH Extension. Shout out Sarah, who is my teacher. She was awesome. Um, And that's a great one because you're doing a little bit of learning about arthritis and about movement. And and then you're doing the walking, which helps my diabetes at the end of the day. So so there you go. Uh, When when you get first diagnosed for uh, diabetes, I, I guess the first medication is metformin, right? Uh, is that the first stage, or or uh, are the amounts, the uh, you know, the degrees of medication increased, uh, you know, over the years, or, or how how does that work? Sure. So um, in the past, yes, metformin was our first line treatment, um, but now that GLPs or Ozempic or Trulicity and all of those medications, the non-insulin injectables are here. Um, it's okay to start them with that and not metformin, which is a recent change. 
So what, uh, now, now Jody, you mentioned that you had difficulties with uh, metformin. Yeah, metformin sometimes can can have some pretty gnarly side effects, especially with your GI um, system. Sometimes I, I learned, Sam taught me to make sure that when I take my metformin, I take it in the middle of my meal so that way my stomach doesn't get upset. Um, at first I was taking, because I would just take my, my medicine when I was brushing my teeth at the start of the day, and um, I'd have it on an empty stomach, and it was it was not a fun time. So... Um, <laughs> We ultimately, at first, I, I, my provider and I, we decided, uh, my primary care provider, we decided to not do the metformin and do a different medicine instead, which was, I think, Ongliza, I think, is in the same class as metformin. I can't pretend to truly understand it all, <laughs> but one that just had a little bit less on the GI side effects, so it was a little easier on my body. And then, but actually, I am back on the metformin, but the extended release, because there's two, the different types make a difference. Mm. Um, and really, it's all about how do I help keep my sugar at a good level throughout the day so and uh, you're living with it so uh, that uh, is is great advice from uh, from jody harper yeah meds aren't bad jody harper assistant director of uh, ahec carla hughes is with us program coordinator at ahec ahec and uh, samantha carpentieri a registered nurse and a certified diabetes educator uh, with us on the show today which is your health new hampshire Presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This program focuses on wellness and health education right here on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. And we will be right back. And we welcome you back to this segment of Your Health, New Hampshire, here on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This program focuses on wellness and health education. Today, we are focusing on diabetes. November was uh, Diabetes Awareness Month, but again, uh, we should be aware of it uh, all 12 months uh, of the year. And uh, joining us in studio, Jody Harper, Assistant Director of AHEC, Carly Hughes, Program Coordinator of AHEC, and Samantha Carpentieri, Registered Nurse and Certified Diabetes Educator. And uh, Samantha, while we mention your title, uh, tell us how people can access diabetes education. People listening today, how, how, can they, how can they get it? How can they find out more about it? Sure. So one would be talking to your primary care doctor or your endocrinologist, whichever you have, which is a provider who specializes in diabetes. Um, specifically to see me or one of the people at Lamprey, you would just talk to Lamprey providers um, and they make a referral to us. From the outside, I'm sure that there's websites available like on the American Diabetes Association to look for diabetes educators near you. Very good. But uh, they are prevalent. And if people uh, seek them out, they, they should be able to find them, right? Whether it be at Lamprey or uh, through other avenues. Yeah, I yep. think the, the message we want to share is that if, you, if you're a newly diagnosed person with diabetes, don't be sh- ashamed of it. Like, don't be ashamed and don't be afraid to ask for help. 
Um, as someone who is a little bit stubborn, a little bit independent, asking for help is not always easy. <laughs> and um, But asking for help, especially managing this condition, really changed my life. And being able to get the support that I deserve, because I do deserve support in managing this. And um, yeah, ask for help, look at the resources, and make sure they're legitimate resources. Um, we we j- joked earlier about Dr. Google, but um, that's a real thing. WebMD does not have all the right answers. And so really, truly going to your healthcare provider, or if you don't have one, calling the doctor's office near you. If you're in Southern New Hampshire, Lamprey is a great option. I can vouch for their services as a patient. <laughs> and, um, you know, making sure that you're getting access to that care and checking. A lot of people don't even know that they have diabetes because they're afraid to do labs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to also say that you shouldn't be ashamed to have diabetes and you should reach out um, because we have great resources yeah. that are available to these people to help them get through this. So we work as a team and we succeed. Well, it is hereditary, but as we said before, uh, you can uh, get diabetes mm-hmm. uh, e- even if it's not uh, in, in your family. Yeah, any age it can happen. Um, actually, my cousin who, so my dad, this is a cousin on mom's side. Um, he's the only one in his direct line family that has diabetes, and he just turned 26. There's some other health stuff that's going on that led him to be more pre predisposed to developing diabetes. But, um, you know, it's something that you, and he's type 2. So no matter what the type, it, it doesn't really matter which type, but diabetes is, is across the lifespan. But it does develop uh, in youngsters uh, mm-hmm. as well. It can be a lot younger than, than 26, too. It, it could happen uh, at a very young age. Yep, and it's important for families to really listen to their kids because if they're urinating a lot or they're very thirsty or they're having vision changes, those are all reasons to bring them to the doctor to get tested because, I mean, a lot of people don't know they have diabetes until it's too late. Yeah. So, so that's it. Why don't we get into that a little bit about uh, what are the signs that you may uh, have diabetes and, and you don't know it? What so, are some yeah. of the signs? Yeah. So being very thirsty, being very tired, urinating a lot, uh, blurred vision, double vision. Um, a lot of people find out that they have diabetes when they're, when they're in the hospital and they're really sick yeah. with infections or other things that are going on. And that's how they find out. I'm sure you see that a lot also being an EMT, Sam. Yep. So I am also an EMT and I work in the emergency room. And um, so I see it often and it's kind of nice to paint a full circle of pictures and I can (laughs) see it in the pre-hospital setting. I can see it in the hospital setting and then I see in the post-hospital setting. So it's great to kind of, for my education and my work, my career is seeing the whole picture. And, And I'm certain there are many, many people out there who have no idea, living with diabetes, and, and they don't find out about it. Some people may never find out about it, but some may find out about it because they're in the hospital for a totally different reason. Yep, that is right. Um, a lot of people who have infections, mostly, mm-hmm. um, but other things like kidney disease or heart problems, whatever the case may be, yep. uh, di- diabetes does you know, it can happen to anybody. It doesn't discriminate. And those kidney issues could be caused by the diabetes. Mm-hmm. Yes, diabetes does infect, affect the kidneys for sure. And and other uh, areas as well. The liver? So not specifically the liver, but the kidneys, the heart, the eyes, yeah. the feet. Yeah. So, so it can uh, affect a, a number of different parts of your body. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, quite a few. And, and again, you, you stressed earlier, 
check your feet. Yes. Check your feet. And if you have diabetes, don't walk barefoot, right? You got it. Yeah. If you need help cutting your nails, go to a podiatrist, a foot yeah. doctor. They will help you. Don't do it yourself, right? Right. You don't yeah. want to cut yourself and get a wound. Yeah. That that uh, that, that would not be good. So, uh, Jody, did you, you used to walk barefoot a lot? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I grew up on a farm. I'm a barefoot outside kind of girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Sam really put the fear of God into me with my feet. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing. I've got some physical therapy for another, a different foot problem from a bad car accident years ago. And um, my physical therapist and I were laughing about that. I was like, yep, even at home, I've got some house slippers that I wear now <laughs> that I just, I, I want to minimize the risk of, of any sort of infection developing on my feet and, and just basically trying to push any of the, the long-term effects of diabetes down the road as long as I can, because darn it, even though I'm pushing 40, I'm still young. <laughs> there you go. You're still a young woman, Jody. Yes. No, no, no doubt about that. Absolutely. And again, we, we can't stress enough uh, the exercise portion of this. And, yeah. and that's something that you know most can do in one form or another, whether it be run, walk, even the chair exercises that, that people do are very important. Yeah, yeah, being being kind to ourselves and making sure that we make it work for us. Um, I think that, you know, when you get a, a, a di- diabetes is a big diagnosis um, and you feel like you have to make all of the changes right away. And that's not sustainable. That's not something that we can do. Um, you know, we want to do fun things like Carly and I had the pleasure of climbing a mountain last year. Uh-huh. We went up we with did. a yoga studio and stayed at an AMC hut. Um, but nice. that was, and for me, that was post-diabetes diagnosis. So I, I had my first experience really worrying about low sugars after that much exertion going up mm-hmm. a couple of miles in the whites. And you did um, amazing. Hey, right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, w- once but, you are diagnosed with diabetes, does it ever go away? I mean, you, you, or are you always going to be living with it? So you can go into remission um, once you get your A1C or your blood sugars down into good control and we wean you off of medications and you sustain that for a period of time, usually greater than six months, um, then you go into remission. But there's always that possibility of, you know, going back and getting a higher A1C. Um, But we just continue to push those lifestyle modifications with a healthy diet and exercise um, to really help with that. Yeah, absolutely. This might be another good opportunity, uh, Jody, to talk uh, again about Walk With Ease. Yeah. And, uh, and for folks who have not heard about it before on this program, we did allude to it earlier in this show. But for those that don't know, tell us about it. Yeah, so we have this great program that we offer called Walk With Ease. It's an evidence-based program, which means it's been researched pretty heavily by the folks, I think, at UNC Chapel Hill and the Arthritis Foundation. Um, so there are people that have participated for many years that the basically when it's an evidence-based program, it's been researched and the out, the positive outcomes we say that people will have for participation, they actually have. So um, this is one, it's a six week long program. There's a couple of different ways to do it. So you can do it self-directed, which is totally online. You don't meet as a group, but you're eligible for a free book if you live here in New Hampshire. Um, we always put the link in the show page. It's startwalkwithease.org slash NHDHHS because we partner with the Department of Health and Human Services to offer this program. Um, we collect a little bit of data from you and then you can walk independently. The, the goal with the program, you're walking three times a week and um, then logging how you're walking, how are you feeling? You know, there's a lot of, you learn about the four-step walking pattern. So making sure that you're stretching, you're warming up, you're walking 
and you're cooling down, like the stretching piece, I think was the biggest thing for me because I was not a stretcher <laughs> before I walked. I was like, oh, I don't do yoga. I don't bend. But <laughs> um, but all sure. that has changed yeah, now. Yep. All I, that has I, changed. Oh, yeah, my physical therapist, he makes sure that I stretch the <laughs> heck out of my feet and my legs before I move. But walking and movement, that's the easiest thing. Everybody can walk for five minutes in it, or two minutes or one minute. Like Start with some movement and build up. It's so important to do for our minds, for our bodies, and for helping our diabetes. And uh, folks, remember, we, Thanksgiving is in, in the rearview mirror now, but uh, Christmas is ahead and uh, the holiday season uh, very much upon us. Don't forget those plates now. Half veggie, uh, uh, half veggie, yep. right? Uh, a quarter protein and a quarter carbs. Yep. All right. Remember that, folks. And I uh, want to thank all three of you for being uh, with us today on this edition of Your Health, New Hampshire. Jody Harper, Assistant Director of AHEC. Carla Hughes, Program Coordinator of AHEC. And Samantha Carpentieri, Registered Nurse and Certified Diabetes Educator. Thank you all uh, very much for making this a very informative edition of uh, Your Health New Hampshire, and uh, happy holidays to uh, all of you. Thank you. Happy holidays. And that will do it for this edition of uh, Your Health New Hampshire on WKXL. Thanks so much for listening.